Before we get started with Jojo Roper, a couple things I want to tell you about. TheBoardSource.com, my go-to place for premium, lightly used surfboards. This place is absolutely stocked with killer equipment and at fair prices. Check them out. TheBoardSource.com, updating their website daily. In addition, I want to tell you about Lightning Strikes. This is a surfboard auction featuring 27 vintage lightning bolt surfboards from all the legendary bolt shapers. Jerry Lopez, Tom Parrish, Barry Kanayapuni, Tom Nellis, Bill Stonebreaker, Reno Abalera, Tom Eberly, many, many others. Check them out. CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com, Lightning Strikes. It's been said that moving out from the shadow of a father is the son's first and greatest burden. Jojo Roper, son of San Diego surfing legend Joe Roper, had a large shadow from which to move out from. And Jojo is firmly in the sunlight. It's also been said that every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. Jojo has certainly followed his dad's example. Both father and son are hard-charging, heavy-water surfers. And like his dad, Jojo is solid. And I don't just mean his constitution. I mean his values, his beliefs. There's a quiet and striking confidence. Which makes sense. Jojo has plenty of big-wave surfing experience under his belt, including Jaws, Nazare, Todos, Mavericks, Nelscott Reef, the Outer Reefs of Oahu, Puerto Escondido, and the Cortez Bank, all on his resume. The Boardroom Podcast with Jojo Roper. Let us begin. Welcome, Jojo Roper. It's good to have you on the Boardroom Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I usually start off with something kind of um, a little bit offbeat to kind of loosen things up a little bit. So when was the last time you danced? The last time I danced? Hmm. If you can speak kind of close. Last time I danced, that was my little sister's wedding um, this past August. The young one beat us to it. All of us. Are you a good dancer? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> what about the last movie you saw? What was the last movie you saw? Last like in a movie theater? Like did you know you went into a movie theater? I, I couldn't tell you. I'm sure the last one that I did see, I fell asleep during them. I'm uh, really bad about falling asleep during movies, especially in a nice, comfortable movie theater. Right. <laughs> That's Maverick, the little buddy down there. Um, where did you ca- where did you catch your first wave? My first wave was at La Jolla Shores. Um, there's actually a photo. My dad has a photo of it. It's pretty killer. He was pushing me into into waves at the shores during a Wednesday Surf Club 
fundraising event where there's a ton of there's almost too kid too many kids or too many too much help for the amount of kids that showed up to for um, I think it was just St. Vincent de Paul in August. I was three years old, I believe. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I stood up regular foot. And my I dad, was just going to ask you about that. He wasn't stoked. He's <laughs> like, what? I want a goofy footer. But it's funny because I stood up regular foot, and my older sister stood up regular foot, and then my youngest sister stood up regular foot, and he pulled her aside and turned her around and made her go goofy. He's like, I have to have one goofy foot in the family. <laughs> no, there'll be no editing. The dog barking, everything. Um, so for those that don't know, um, JoJo Roper, obviously, well, the son of legendary San Diego surfer Joe Roper, who is a goofy foot. So that's I can see how your dad would want one goofy foot. At least family. one. Yeah. When you were a, a young kid, were there other sports that you were interested in? Um, I went. I did t-ball when I was little. Um, after t-ball, I went to like I forget what the next little baseball thing is it was like just kids baseball and tecolote and down in um, bay park and i just hated it just moms yelling at their sons and my dad was like he was kind of like he was there to make me be like their other kids but you could tell we were both over it right away yeah and um that lasted about a year and then i just surfing surfing yeah <laughs> when i was in in high school all the all the um everybody tried to get me to play football and just it wasn't for me yeah i was like yeah it's not what i do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what about now are there are you are there other sports like the chargers or i don't know is there, do you follow sports besides surfing like are you kind of a sports i'm not at all no i i um just stick to surfing i guess yeah. at surfing and um yeah, just kind of water sports, really. Um, I don't have too much interest in the others. Yeah, yeah. I used to skateboard a lot when I was young, but I actually cracked my skull when I was 14 and um, wasn't really excited about surfing after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm skating. I'm how did you How did you crack your your skull skating? Just so I was on spring break, and I was going. We lived really close to my dad's old shop, and we had this one hill that goes straight into the shop, and I was just cruising down the hill, going to the shop to help out i was like i was always working there when i was young and um i was cruising on the hill and i went to turn up this little hill to slow down there's a bunch of gravel and all i remember is sliding out and um i'm sure i just went backwards and i cracked the back of my skull um and it was a pretty close situation to really really bad but um i was in the hospital for a while it was probably the longest i've ever been out of the water in my life it was like six or eight months because I actually think my ears were the reason I wasn't able, able to go back in the water because I hit so hard that blood shot out my ears and it ruptured both my eardrums. Wow. So I had um, pretty, like even now, I am I think I'm like 80 or 90% deaf in my left ear. And um, So, yeah, that was a bit of a... And was your dad at the shop when this occurred? He was at the occurred? shop, yeah. Somehow during, some lady found me that was walking her dog and she called 911 and she's like, is there anybody else you could help that can help you? And I somehow, I guess I mumbled my dad's shop phone number during it. And she called the shop. And then... And you were right near there, though, right? I was, like, two blocks from the shop. Yeah. And I I mean, I woke up in the hospital. I don't remember anything for oh. for days. But um, I remember coming out of this little, like, whatever machine it was. And I see... And I, like, woke up. And I was like... Her, the only thing I remember is coming to and seeing my mom and being like... And then my dad's on the other side, and my mom's like, 
of course, like crying and my dad just like in shock. And I'm just like, uh oh, what's going on here? Wow. <laughs> but who knows what happened in between those couple days? Yeah. <laughs> And so when you did get back in the water, did you wear a helmet or anything? No, I had waited long enough because my ears were what was keeping me out of the water for a long time, and my head was more than healed. Um, they were worried about my brain shaking a little bit, but it wasn't. Everything was checked out fine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's huh. all good. All right. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of, a lot of sons – as they go through their teenage years, they, there's a, a moment of rebellion against their family, maybe even their father. Did you ever have um, a moment of rebellion with your dad? Not so much. We were really, um, me and my dad are really close, you know, like between surfing together and working together. And I mean, my whole teenage years, I was working at a shop to get money to, or to earn money so I could go on a surf trip, you know? So it was, he was the boss. He was dad. He was my surf partner. He was, he's everything, you know, yeah. he's, he was, um, he was my ride to the beach until I got my license. And, um, I never really did, you know, it was like, of course we have our, I mean, we're to this day, we're, we're friends and we bicker back and forth. We bicker like friends more than we bicker like father, son, but, um, yeah, I never really had that. Yeah. It's fascinating. The work ethic that Joe instilled in you and your sisters, right? That's pretty yeah, I mean, Profound. We, we started working at the shop. I was, I mean, I grew up at the shop, you know, it was when I was 14, I started getting paychecks, so to say, you know what I mean? Like, um, but I mean, he's, he worked his ass off for the past 45 years, if not more of his life, 50 years of his life, you know, he's, he's, um, he's a workhorse. And I mean, anybody that has ever been to our shop or knows my dad will tell you the same, you know, and, and it's kind of, he's, he established that in our minds, you know, you got to work to to, you got to earn it, you know, and, and, um, I mean, that's my mindset to this yeah. day too, you know, yeah. I'm not the people that are, get things easy. I'm, of course we're all jealous of, but you got to earn it in my eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, at what age did you see the sort of the big wave arena as a, as a place for you? Um, I mean, I always had big shoes to fill, right? My dad was like big rock, pipeline, all. Was during. that hard? Did you did you feel that? Did you feel some pressure? Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. my dad was, I mean, as soon as I could start surfing the reefs around home, I did and ate plenty of shit, you know, and yeah, and um, had fun and did it. And um, I mean, I was probably... I think I went to Puerto Escondido when I was 17 years old. And um, there was this night that was like solid 15 feet. And this and evening offshore. Evening. evening offshore is the most gorgeous. Evening offshores are always as gorgeous as they come, you know. And yeah. I remember just being on the roof, like watching. It was like Rusty Long, Greg Long. And it was this local guy, Will Dillon. And uh, I think that was it. I think all of us were scared. And we were just on the roof watching. I was like... I remember watching Rusty like thread this crazy tube and getting blown out and and then kicks out in a giant one behind it and he's swimming in the rip and at the time it was no leash was cool at the time you know and uh not cool but that's what you did back at yeah. that time and um being like oh my god I want to I want to do that you know it's like I want to surf 15 foot Puerto yeah I got my ass kicked at eight foot Puerto I want to work my way up there and then the next year I was in Hawaii and a surf YMA I had like an eight eight four or something like that and uh 
and it was way too small and it was big Waimea, but I caught a wave that was a good size wave and I was yeah. just into it. I was like, whoa, that was pretty cool, you know? I was like, I'm going to do this. And then the next summer, I started going to Puerto more with bigger boards and got some good waves. And then the next winter, I think it was 2009, I think I was 18 or 19, and um, I got a 9.8 made. And I wasn't, my dad was still glassing, I could glass boards at the time, but my dad was still like, took pride in glassing my boards. And I remember bringing this 9.8 was he a to the bomb? shop and he was, and Rusty has made all my boards since, um, since right, since Clark foam shut down. And even Rusty was pretty excited to build this 9.8. And, um, and he, and I bring it to the shop and my dad's like, it all hit like, Oh, you want to ride this where? I was like, Oh, I got this made for Mavericks and I really want to surf that wave and bring it to Hawaii and surf Waimea and here and there. And, and, um, he's just, when it, when it sunk in, he was like, Oh wow. You know, but he was glassing it. And he, it was funny. Cause I was like watching him glass it. And he's like, really gets a feel for it. He's like, Jesus, this thing's gnarly. I've never had a board this big. And he's just like, it was, it was this like month of just like, kind of like funny feeling. And then the board was done. And like within like a week of the board being done, it was like November, early November. And this Maverick swell came and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is a big swell. Like I really want to go up there and ride this thing. And the day I was leaving, my dad never leaves the shop during the time he's there unless he has something going on. And he like left the shop, comes home and he's like, I'm going to give you a hug goodbye. You know, you really got to like be training for this. And I was like, I have been dad. Like I'm going, you know, (laughs) he just kind of, okay, well have fun. Don't, you don't have to catch a wave. Just have fun. You know? And it was, it was pretty classic. It was like, really seen him like nervous with me for the first time ever. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is, and this is way before flotation and all the stuff that we have now. And, and, um, it was pretty gnarly cause I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Like sitting on the porch with everything getting ready to go. And he's just like, just make sure, you know, you don't have to get a wave. And then I ended up getting a couple, maybe 15 foot waves that were amazing. I mean, I still remember him and I was like, came home and I was just like on this cloud nine of like, this is amazing. This is what I like, you know, this is yeah. what I want to do. And, and, um, it was, it's good. Cause he really pushes, he pushed me from then on. Like, if you're going to do this, you need to do it right. You need to train right. You need to do everything right and be at the tip top of your game and, and do it, you know, and, yeah. which is what he did in his day at pipeline, you know? Yeah. And my mom, I don't, we don't need to talk about her, how scared she was. And even to this day, she's still like, okay yeah you have all your safety equipment and who are you going with and is there safety there and she's she's nervous but she understands it now it it took her a little while (laughs) well let's fast forward to um i'm not sure the exact year but the day was at mavericks and it was sadly the day that scion passed Mm -hmm. away and you were out in the water i read this morning you were out in the water that day and yeah and so there is a lot of um concern and valid concern for somebody's that, Health and that well-being. Was, that day was a huge reality check for me because. How old were you then? That was like eight was, years later, right? I was. Must have been twenty-four. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-four, somewhere. And um, actually, I was probably twenty-two um, because I took two years away from Mavericks after that because mm-hmm. I was just spun out because it was and the years following weren't that great of swells and mm-hmm. clean swells. Um, but, but yeah, what, what that, happened that day? That day was like, so he, 
it was gigantic. It was 20, 25 feet, like yeah. second reef capping waves, but it was nuking Northwest winds, like really bumpy, really dangerous. And, um, and it was again, pre flotation for me, those scion was wearing a, um, a vest, like a, um, paddle vest and, uh, him and Nathan Fletcher were just going back to back. And I'm just sitting there like, these guys are nuts. These yeah. Guys. It's like next and, level when it's that big, right? Yeah. And not much wind. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and it was also like I'd watched over the f- a few years of Scion just like paddling the biggest waves out of reefs in Hawaii, and, and um, I was just like, "This guy is invincible." You know what I mean? Like this is—he's the gnarliest guy at the time, you know. Yeah. And um, I didn't even catch a wave that day. I ended up going in, and I was paddling off the beach. I never got a ride out or anything at the time and I how is it paddling out at the beach if i might interject real quick i it's, heard it's difficult when it's that big it, it's you, very you, difficult yeah, yeah you get stuck in between mushroom rock and there's a reef blackhand reef that's a little bit south and if you don't make it a gap which when it's big it's really hard to make the gap because you get like 10 foot white water just pushing you away and the current's just sucking actually in towards the beach and it's just it's gnarly you know so you paddled out that day you so made it out, out made it out dodged a couple bullets so to say of giant waves like um how many guys are out this there's day? probably 15 20 guys not yeah. not too bad yeah especially not by like today's standards where right. there's 40 to 60 guys out but um but yeah i ended up going in watching those guys just go nuts and it was there on that level that i wasn't at and um i remember changing the back of my tailgate and I remember Danny Fuller was sitting, was next to me and changing on his tailgate too. We're talking about something and his phone rings and he, he's like, what, what? And just went like full sprint towards the beach. And all of us were like, what's going on? And we all followed. And, um, right when we got there, it's like Nathan Fletcher pulling up onto the sand of the beach and Sion's just like blue in the face and on the back of a ski or, um, on the back of the ski mm-hmm. onto the sand. And there's, Everybody was there by then, and CPR, CPR, and the ambulance was there in no time, and just, he was gone, you know? Yeah. And we drove back. I was staying at Zach Warmount's house in um, Santa Cruz at that time, and we went back there, and the, it was like the longest drive. It was the longest hour drive. It felt like it was five hours. We were just sitting there, just, I think it was uh, it was me and Zach and um, Derek Dunphy, and we were all the three of us were just like couldn't believe what just happened and just a a pretty serious wake up call and like i mean the most invincible guy in big wave at surfing at the time was just drowned so it was a reality check for sure yeah and you mentioned that 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 may may or may not have set you back two years or or it was a combination of it was it was was a combination of of um Mavericks itself is just like it's so it's a very deadly wave, right? It's killed a few people, and yeah. um, it's just such a crazy long hold down, violent beat down, and and if you fall, they call it the cauldron. If you fall in the peak of the center of the bowl, I mean, ninety percent of the time you're gonna have a two wave hold down, yeah. um, unless you're lucky and you get blasted forward. But I've only had that happen once. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's just, I took a little break and did you come home and talk to your dad about it or what was no, going on? With- he, of course asked and yeah. I didn't talk too much about it cause it's just kind of like that. Like, don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, everybody knows it's possible, but 
Yeah. <clears throat> it's not something you you want to talk about, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't a very good couple seasons of big waves, in my opinion, after that. Yeah. Um, but I still had that, like, I had, like, a a little, like, a slight fear of it. You know what I mean? I was, sure. I was like, damn, this is pretty, this is, like... I don't know. There, it, it, a, it just rubbed me the wrong way. You know? right. I don't know what the right word is for it. Well, there's a healthy fear, right? And then there's a fear where it could be unhealthy and that you maybe don't go the extra mile to get over the ledge or whatever. Do you yeah, think it was exactly. a healthy fear that you had at this point? or like To like, be honest, it, it is, yeah, because I, it was kind of like a – even taking a couple of years off, it made, made you want it, want it more too, right? So you're like – you're like, um, and it wasn't off. Like I was surfing Totos. I was surfing in Hawaii and I was surfing everywhere else and um, – it definitely, I think the more experience in big waves, the the more you learn, the the better you are at it. Yeah. That's why you take like, like Greg Long and Twiggy. They're, I mean, Twiggy's 49 years old and top, top of, of his, his game. game. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, it's crazy. And um, I think it just comes with experience, you know, and you watch, you see this guy that drowned and you're like, okay, that's possible. Um, how did, where did he fall? What happened? You know, this is a bad part of the wave. And, and, um, I don't know. It's yeah. you, you learn a lot, right? So yeah. the more the more sessions you surf in big waves, the more you learn, and the more experience you have, the more calm you are in a situation because you've already experienced it. Have Have you had two wave hold downs? I've had two two wave hold downs at um, Mavericks. Not at Mavericks. No, I had a near what would have been a two wave hold down at Mavericks, but there wasn't a second wave. It was like a swell. Um, I had one in Puerto. Um, I had another really close one in Cloud Break a few years ago and I had one in Outer Reef in Hawaii at Phantoms and um, yeah they're a little eye opener for sure <laughs> and the, the Puerto one was pre-inflation the Phantom ones was was with inflation um, and maybe I waited too long to pull it because there's a bit of a right when those things came out it was like almost like Oh, did he pull? You know, it's like kind of like it was like little, you were like, kind of looked at like negatively if you I, pulled. Maybe I, I wouldn't or? say that, but you definitely were like. Oh, he needed to pull. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, he, so he needed was... to pull, so he was nervous on that wave, and I was kind of like, maybe right. I waited too long to pull. Like nowadays, I'll like, I have no shame. You know, if I yeah. know I'm in a bad situation, I'll yank that thing and inflate and get yeah. get there sooner if I can't get to the surface sooner if I can. And at the same time, it's also an energy saver too, right? If you're yeah. in a contest, I'm going to pull the second I fall. If I fall on a wave, I'm pulling it just to yeah. come up, get your breath, get back out, and catch more waves in the heat. You know. I don't know why you wouldn't just pull every time, right? Yeah. Or is there a situation where you have to recharge the canister? Or something? You do. There's, but like a Patagonia and the Quicksilver's, all these, all these vests, they all have four, four pools. If you're pulling four times, you're, you shouldn't be out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, we got a four puller over here. Yeah, we, we got a fourth pool on that one. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned. Um, Mavericks, and I don't know if you saw the news. Did you see the news today? The, the that Jeff put out? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jeff Clark put out a press release. It was probably sent to you guys last mm-hmm. week. And I had heard Jeff talk about it last year even. Mm-hmm. But they're going to do the Mavericks event again. But it's in this new format where it's basically like a video event where you a just submit, yeah, submit yeah, yeah. your free surf videos. And there'll be a biggest wave and, a, and all, the, all of this you know, best performance, all of these different categories, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that must excite you, right? As a guy that serves big Mavericks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, I mean, I put my 
time in there over the years. It's just a matter of consistently going up there and surfing swells and making sure you're on the best days and getting the best waves, right? Just like anything. So I think it, I think it's really cool. It's just um, it's just a. Is it too know. much? Does it mean like there could be guys that maybe aren't worthy, or does Maverick I, sort itself scared. out? I'm just scared of having. And there's actually a good point that I read. There's this kid Luca Padua that grew up right there. He he wrote. Um, he they asked him about it, and he made a good point of like, this is like for waves. You have to kick out on the channel for your waves in this to count. Which um, there's been some carnage the past few years of guys just taking off, going like they call it, go straight and inflate, right? So it's a big part. You get a, a lot of guys that are just eating it and eating it and eating it. And I think kicking on the channels the goal and everything right i'm not i'm not trying to take off on waves unless i'm there's at least a slight chance i'm going to make it and kick out in the channel um and i think that's a really positive part of their guidelines so to say yeah so do you think it's gonna (laughs) do you think that something like this could lead to the wrong type of surfer going out and challenging himself or does mavericks kind of handle it mavericks handles itself right and we all know that we've all or a lot a lot of us have had some eye-opening experiences there, and there's no place in the world that you're sitting in freezing cold water, very deep, with a giant wave above you, and there's a pretty unique feeling down there that makes you feel a little different, but uh, makes you question coming back. That's for sure. So um, I think that yeah, Mavericks always sorts itself out. Yeah. And what about um, the concept of like a universal spirit or a deity or some higher power that you believe in? Like, have you ever caught yourself like praying? Is this something that that you have in your mindset? Not really. Um, I've never really been a religious person. um, But what about a spiritual person? Because I think there's a difference. You know, sometimes I'll like be like, if I'm going out for a good surf or something, like I'll kind of be like, or actually some of my boards, even like friends that have passed away. And I'll just like, think of them, like give me a wave, you know, like yeah. I had a friend, Mark Wolfinger that passed away some years ago. And, um, every once in a while, I'm just like, come on, Marco, give me one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For but, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's about it for me. Yeah. Um, the big wave world tour this year, you're a competitor on it. Um, they've narrowed it down to two events. Or just one now. Just for, one. For paddle guys, yeah. Just Jaws. Just Jaws. The Nazareth event is now a tow event that not all of us were invited to. Oh, how do you feel about that? Um, I think that given what it is, like we're all paddling, you know, we're not. Some of us, some of the guys that got invited are very good tow surfers. And I think that if they want to put on a show, get the best guys to do that, right? Um, but if they're going to put on a paddle event then and they didn't invite us, it would be a different story, you know? Right. But. But it could be argued that the paddle event, the paddle guys deserve the first go at the toe because you've you've proven yourself. Yeah, but there's also the guys whipping into sixty to eighty foot waves at Nazare that um, that are always doing it, and they have their team and they have everything set up. And I think that for us, it would be we'd have to like align uh, your team, like your driver, your who's driving you, and. I think that those guys have their setup, and that's probably the way they're going to go with it. And, right. Yeah, but have you surfed that wave? Yeah, I've surfed Nazaré for the past three years. And how incredible is that? It's a it's a great. It, so it's it's a big big wave, right? So the thing TPs up and it stands up in front of you, and a lot of waves like Mavericks, you'll look at it, it'll be it looks like a 
12, 15 footer and it hits the bowl and it goes 20 feet. When you out there, you're looking at a 25 footer face to face instead of, yeah. which if you're not in the, te- the vortex of that wave either, you're not going to catch it. So you have to put yourself in the biggest part of the wave in the teepee. And then that's the whole wave really. Yeah. So there's no, besides um, Nacho's wave in the contest last year where you got a crazy left barrel. There's not much reward in my eyes after that crazy drop in the bottom turn. I don't think there's much yeah. left to the wave. You're not going to get the wave of your life. Yeah. And exclude Nacho's wave because that's just a freakish wave. That was freakish. But, um, but so yeah, in I some think- regards, it sounds like it, it, it begs to be towed into so that you can put yourself at that one apex of the wave much easier. That's really where it's at. I, I anyway. think so. Um, but I think that it's a great paddle wave for a contest. Because there's peaks spread out, you can go right, you can go left, rather than six guys condensed battling each other in the bowl at Maverick, so to say. Yeah. And you're, or Jaws even, you're like, it's so intense. And Nazare, you're spread out, and it's more of a, I think there's more opportunity to catch bigger waves. And I think that there's so much swell that goes there that there's more opportunities to run an event there as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a great venue for a big wave event. So just Jaws for the, for the paddle guys. Yeah. Which is, I mean, Jaws is the best big wave in the world, right? Yeah. So if they're going to do one, that should be it. I mean, Mavericks, it would be amazing too. Yeah. But um, I think that Jaws has proven itself to be the most viewed big wave spot, big wave event in the world so far. Yeah, there's no doubt, right? And But Mavericks, what do you, th- what are your thoughts on them pulling out of Mavericks, the WSL big wave tour? Um, I don't think I know enough. Right. To, to voice my opinion, I would just love to surf an event out there, you know. Yeah. Um, i probably put more time in out there than any other big wave in the world for me. And, um, yeah, I'd love to surf an event there. Yeah. And I know we spoke a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or whatever it was, and there was a purple blob on the on the horizon, and you, yeah. were, you were gearing up. And that's sort of how you live your life, isn't it? You're based on purple blobs on the map. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of... I'm a pain in the ass in terms of maybe being a little bit of a flake sometimes or can't, can't commit to much of anything. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, certain times of the year. So like spring, I'll start committing to things because spring is pretty, it's a, there's not so many big swells around the world and such. And, um, summertime I try and I mean, yeah, year round, I'm pretty much, (laughs) you're looking at the map. I'm looking at everything. Yeah. And it's not just big waves either. It's, I mean, I go sur- I go to Tahiti quite often, try and surf, paddle, big Chopu and Fiji, and um, I would do anything to just post up in Fiji for the whole season. But yeah. that's not realistic for me. But um, did you do yeah. that at one point? Were you a boat driver out there at one point? Um, I trained to be a boat driver down there, and um, when I was younger, and um, I go and help out quite often. Yeah. Um, when I go there, I'm not like trying to live it up as a guest. And of course I do, but, um, I have friends that John Roseman and, and, yeah. and um, KO and the guys that run the show there and, um, we're all great friends and, um, just kind of sneak over for swells when I can. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, when these swells do arrive on the scene, like maybe the one last week that didn't materialize, but there's another one floating around out there. I know you're looking at it, mm-hmm. but whenever you see these purple blobs, do you get an anxiety like butterflies, like a 
like a like a like a Christmas morning thing, or is it more like oh shit, I got to go face the principal thing? Like what kind of? I think it just depends on how I'm feeling. If I'm like, if I'm if I'm like feel like I'm could be getting sick at all, then I start getting nervous and anxiety. But if I'm like ninety percent of the time, I'm just sitting there like excited, like all right, it's here. Where yeah. where how? And I start kind of mapping it all out in my head. I'm I'm really big on, I mean. Anybody could tell you I'm kind of a freak for missing waves anywhere. So I'll be like, all right, I'm driving to Mavericks, surfing all day, and I'm turning around, I'm driving all night home, and I'm going to surf the reefs the next day. You know, and and um, I think last two years ago I actually did two days at Jaws, red eye to Mavericks, um, surf Mavericks all day, and then got on a plane, flew home, surf Big Rock all morning during the high tide got in my truck with the ski and drove straight to Totos and surfed the evening at Totos. And it, I didn't sleep, must've slept like six to eight hours in three days, but it was what I want to do. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you got to do it now. You exactly, won't be able yeah, to do yeah. it when you're 40 <laughs> or maybe, I mean, Twiggy's pretty, yeah, he's kind of going at it. Huh? What's the, well, you mentioned, um, Jaws is the best big wave spot in the world. What's the heaviest, I think they all have their own, their own kind of scary thing to them, right? So Mavericks has the long hold down. Jaws has the most. It's just so violent and um, and long hold downs as well. <laughs> Nazare will beat you from for ten waves rather than a few to the beach. Puerto, same thing. Um, they all have their own little like danger, their own factor, right? So. I think you kind of go to each one of those spots and just prepare for that, so to say. Yeah. And what about an event at Puerto Escondido? A big wave event at Puerto Escondido? They used to have it. They ran it for a few years. Yeah. I never got in. I was first alternate both years, actually. And um, the year I got on tour, they took it off tour. Oh. So I was kind of bummed on that. <laughs> but they have a, a small event every year, like a, a big wave cup, so to say. Um, you mean like the local guys down there, or the- no? I think um, Gary Lennon helps put it on with Surf Open League, and it's a, it's a, it's almost like a QS style big wave event, so to uh-huh, say, like, right. which is it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But it would be nice if it was on tour, yeah, as everybody wishes. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it would be a good spot. Hey there, a quick break in the podcast to tell you about the BoardSource.com, my go-to place for premium, lightly used surfboards. TheBoardSource.com, they're absolutely stocked with premium killer surfboards at fair prices. They also have new boards. Check them out, TheBoardSource.com, updating their website daily. This is my go-to place for used surf equipment, TheBoardSource.com. Now back to the podcast. After surfing Jaws and paddling out at Nazare and surfing massive mavericks it seems to me that totos is kind of simple would you agree with that i wouldn't because totos will get taller than than most of the waves like last year i think the biggest wave i caught of the year was at totos Hmm. um and it's just it's just are you more relaxed at totos i definitely all those other spots seem just heavier I but maybe I'm being ignorant. It just depends. And, you know, you could get put in a pretty bad situation at Totus as well. You're a lot closer to the rocks. There's The bottom is giant boulders that stick up really high. And 
um, you can definitely hit the bottom out there. And um, I think that in terms of the wave itself, it's a bit slopier for sure. But I think that it, I mean, the wave packs a punch, you know? Yeah. Um, I've had a really bad wipe out of there as well, where I was underwater for a very, very long time. And it was also pre-flotation and I was kind of down there thinking about things, but, um, yeah, but I think that definitely in terms of the wave itself, it's definitely a bit slopier unless it's really West. And then it kind of creates this wedge thing that definitely hucks and it, it creates a harder entry sometimes. Yeah. Cause it's, it's pushing towards the rocks a bit harder and it's what really do you deep prefer water. do you prefer more of a northy one you want west swells west because then it actually gets big i've been right. out there on quite a few swells where the it's pretty north and the buoys are massive and it's not very big yeah because it kind of has to wrap in doesn't it yeah is it's that just, what it is? i think that it's shadowed by cortez bank oh, okay Interesting. um so yeah. yeah you never now there's a spot have yeah. we surfed there i surfed there a couple years ago that must just be mental and it's kind of off the radar right now like it doesn't seem like anyone's really that like everybody has their eyes on it it's just it's just a very extreme mission you know when i went out there it was um luckily i was in contact with greg long during this whole run of swell and um we were talking about going up to mavericks we're talking about going here going there and um and the forecast for cortez had very clean conditions and um he started organizing things and then we all started organizing things and i was halfway up to mavericks and we got the the boat that we were waiting on to give us permission and um i did a u-turn and drove back and the next day we left and went out there and it was amazing it was glassy all day there's four of us surfing and um it's just as good as it gets what's and what's that wave like as far as like it's, slopiness or steep or is there a it's hollow section very very intense you know it, it moves really really fast open ocean and um the wave moves a lot faster than anywhere else you are surfed and um and you take off on a wave and you just feel this like my 10-3 felt like like a 7-0 you know thing like never felt so small and the thing which had so much momentum being pushed behind it and the takeoff can it either has like a bit of a chip or it hits this bowl and boxes out. So it, but it's a long wave too. It's very down the line, and you're going the length of f- four big waves around the world. You know, like yeah. you got like section, 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 and there is a barrel to be had out there, which is pretty cool too. An inside section, inside yeah, the, the Inside kind of like if it curves at you the right way, you could kind of like get a good line on a big board and kind of drive through that yeah i thought i had one opportunity at that and then it ended up just landing on me <laughs> so with such a big playing field it seems like the need for really great um safety yeah we had one ski per person um is that enough and then uh i think there's two backup skis as well there's five skis and three surfers at a time basically and going with greg who had a crazy incident out there some years ago and he yeah. almost drowned or he did drown and um he's he's probably the most on of anybody for in terms of safety and being ready for the worst, you know? Yeah. So it's great to be on. What were the butterflies like on that? It's like a six hour boat ride, isn't it? No, it was a overnight boat ride. We probably left at 8 PM and got there right at dawn. Um, Can you sleep? We, we, <laughs> you I just... slept for sure. I was pretty tired from, from running around town and, yeah. and um, getting everything situated, but um, definitely some nerves, you know, I definitely, hopped off the boat and got on the ski and went got a closer look before i waxed my board up 
and um, checked it out and was like, okay, yeah, yeah. All looks good. <laughs> and, and and I know it's impossible to line up, right? I mean, do you, do you well, anchor we, the boat so you can line up off of the boat somehow? Or? No, we went out and set buoys. So where we thought the best takeoff spot was, we dropped a buoy just a touch outside of there to use to line up off of. And then yeah. um, as the tide dropped, we watched that buoy kind of move a little bit and just lined ourselves up off that. We had a one outside of us and one in the channel of us that kind of markers, so to say. And there's some sunken ships out there, right? I mean, there's some... I'm not sure about that. I've heard there are. Not really. The rumor is, and I might butcher this story a little bit, but a long time ago, somebody wanted to make their own nation out there. And so they took all of these boats and sunk them out there, hoping to build some sort of landmass out there. So I think there's some, you know, jack stays. Something down there. Something sticking (laughs) out. Well, I'll pretend I didn't hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that Cortez Bank just seems absolutely crazy. <laughs> what about Nelscott Reef? Tell me a little bit about that. I know you've had some great experience there. Yeah, I went up last year, and they had a, um, for the first time ever. It was the coldest place I ever searched in my life, for sure. Water was like 40, mid, low 40s, and um, the air temp was in the morning, 20s and the 30s. and It was frigid, but... Um, the wave is, it's a good wave, you know, was, that day was kind of slow, but when a set came, it was good sized waves and definitely hits a kind of bowl and, and does something different than very down the line as well. Actually, my first wave out there was like, it ran and I wasn't expecting to a bottom turn and I was like, right in front of the lip line, almost the whole wave. And I was like, whoa, whoa, it's just kind of like a really like full speed kind of a. Like maybe you put it down in the flats too far and all of a sudden you were Exactly, kind of, yeah. You know. I should have angled it harder and, it, and the thing was chasing me down. And I kicked out. I was like, whoa, that was a lot more than I expected. <laughs> but too too cold of a situation, you think? Or no, just I, doable? I'd go back. It's yeah. doable. But um, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous place for sure. And and potential up there for other big wave locations, you think? Or is it like I'm not sure. I think mentor-wise of big waves and no one knows? I don't know. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of people like, oh, yeah, this... There's not much more than these waves up here. And I mean, if there are other ways, then they're doing a damn good job of keeping them a secret. And I respect that (laughs) very much so. So let's talk a little bit about big wave equipment, because I think if there's one area that seems to be evolving pretty quickly and and also an area that has a lot of room for change Mm -hmm. is the big wave surfboard among other parts of the equipment that's needed. But um, as you know, Chris Christensen and Ian Walsh have come out with this kind of bulbous nosed looking carbon board that the, mm-hmm. just was put out there in the media recently. And I think that a couple of years ago, they might've brought that out too. And I was oh, curious really? if anybody's ridden that yet. <laughs> oh, well, we were seeing like, I think it was a year ago and Chris and Greg Long and Ian were put something on Instagram or somewhere. Maybe it was a article online or something like that. And I was like, what in the world is that? And the other day, I, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. saw it pop up again. Yeah, apparently the design was, was um, you know, sort of brought to life by some naval architects and some guys that did tons of data, computer analytics on this is the best board for the conditions that Chris and Ian are suggesting we build a board for. Mm-hmm. And it's got this crazy bulbous nose. And yeah. I'm sure that I, knowing Rusty the way I do, um, I'm sure you guys are having discussions about what we can do to to move forward yeah no i spend a lot of time with him 
in his office just tweaking things on the computer and um about five years ago six years ago we kind of drew this different outline with a bit more forward and then we brought into a little swallowtail and then after that we even widened up the swallowtail a little bit and um i haven't gone back to a pintail since and um yeah we tweaked the bottoms and this and that and nothing crazy pretty subtle bottoms on most of these boards but um I mean, if they feel good, I'm not going to change much, you know. And, right. And they felt amazing over. The, we've played with little width and thickness things just to feel them out, and um, yeah, things are ever like better than ever, you know. And definitely not complaining there. <laughs> yeah, it, and it seems like um, we could let the sort of the edges of design be pushed by others and then take from them what mm -hmm. they've figured out and maybe implement those into some new designs. You know what I mean? Like yeah, why, yeah. why, why not just let them do the dirty work and mm -hmm. then you're, we'll all find out yeah. and be able to adapt to it. Yeah. You know? I mean, to be honest, a lot of, I've watched a lot of guys, I've let people borrow my boards and that people are wearing more swallowtails now and moving the fins further forward and doing some things that me and Rusty worked on that were, that felt great and even i glass all my own boards um start to finish the fin boxes the glassings everything sometimes i'll pay the sander to finish them for me if i'm busy but uh i i kind of played with a little bit of the flex things and started doing single six bottoms double six tops on a few and and just playing with it a little bit and felt it i kind of enjoy changing things like yeah. that my, i'm what i can do you know because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not shaping these boards but um yeah, I, I love kind of playing with it. And How many it. boards are you going through a season? Um, it depends, you know. It, it depends on if we're, like this year, I got a couple more boards made for Jaws because the main event's at Jaws. And um, we kind of, I How probably... How long are those boards? Are, are you going shorter? Like, seems like some shorter, of the guys... Uh, and is your game plan, if I might interrupt, to sit on the West Bowl because you can go shorter there and get the tubes which seem to win? Or is it just, do you have a board for when, look, it's all north anyway and there is no West Bowl and so I'm going to be sitting out there with Greg or am I going to be sitting on the inside with um, Albie? You know, like, yeah. do, you, do you think like that when you're building boards? Um, I was. I was thinking I wanted to sit West Bowl guy and then I um, started, I just would rather take off of the peak and, and right. try and ride the entire wave to be honest um so my boards they have shrunk a bit but not crazy amounts they've gone i used to like my first jaws board was 10.6 and i went down to 10.3 and i'm at 9.11 and i'm getting some 9.7s made and i have this 9.3 that was incredible in puerto the past few years that i brought home to, and as um, you go down in size, do you stay? Do you keep the volume and just move the wide point up in the nose wider? Or barely, right? So they're definitely they're all my outlines are the same, except for a couple of them are a touch wider up front, um, which is the nine three and the nine. Actually, the nine sevens are um, the nine sevens are a bit stretched out, but um, they're all fairly similar, you know. And they're all they, the volume decreases quite a bit with the size as well. Um, and they're, yeah, they're all kind of same outline, so to say. Yeah. Um, Do you and Rusty ever find yourself looking at like something that Pat Curran or George Downing was, were riding at Makaha in 1950 and going, you know what? 
There's something here, you know. You know what's funny is last night I picked up a, a 9.7 and a 911 that he had just shaped, and uh, and he's like, we're talking about the tails and this and that, or I forget what exactly how the conversation started, and and he's like, oh yeah, the different derfer over here, and we walk over to the different derfer, and he's like, see how this one's got kind of the wider right here, and it's a baby squash, and it's kind of similar. He's like, I always thought that, that extra the the length that the pintail creates is just pointless drag and it's just there and and uh you're just comparing it to the different different and i'm sitting there like oh cool we got some something else to base off of you know and then look to the left and he's like oh yeah my brewer that he made me for this or that and similar thing to to the different different and and it's just like what we're doing too yeah and um i i like that stuff you know i like i like nerding out on that kind of stuff you know yeah for sure but i mean last year i think we built I think we built maybe six or seven guns for the season the year before that we did four this year we did four or five and i think i've sold one gun ever yeah <laughs> i don't i don't sell them you know they're they're all sentimental yeah. i actually have a, a a handful of them from last year that um i did this um partnership with city of hope a yeah. cancer hospital in east la and um all the patients put their hands on my boards and I wrote them all winter last year. And, and, um, it's pretty cool. It's like sharing this big wave with these kids and they decorated my boards and they could look closely and, and see their handprint on a 50 foot wave. And they're just stoked. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's kind of like, they're like one with, with me in the ocean and, and they're traveling with me all over the world, you know? And so those boards, I will auction off at an event next month, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. If, if the event works out, but, um, so those I will sell. So yeah, I'll replace those. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but but as we look at design um, and we think about what Christensen and Ian are doing with that kind of just crazy like um, NASA style like SpaceX kind of bulbous nose, I believe that they're trying to adapt to the wind rushing up the wave face. So when you're dropping down the wave, I think that they're trying to figure out ways not to get held up and pushed back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that must be something that you and Rusty discuss at length. Yeah, we kind of pulled some noses in tighter, so there's not so much surface area in the in the noses for jaws, so to say, where it's nuking offshores. Um, I think that the length has a bit to do with that too. You're on a smaller board, you're probably paddling a little more forward too. And um, yeah, it's a tricky situation, right? It's like there's so many like like you got to take a little to give a little. It just kind of all can go back and forth. You're like, oh, I want the big board. I'll get in early, or I want the small board to be underneath it. But even if you're on a small board underneath it, you're still getting wind under your board, and you're and you're a little bit later, which is a wave steeper, so you're definitely light-footed going into those waves, you know, or full airdrop. But what's, um, your, what's your thought on that? Would you Which would you rather have? I mean, does it depend on the wind, I guess? It depends on the wind uh, and, and kind of what the waves are doing. So if it's 15, 18 feet... I have no problem riding my nine three or nine seven. Um, if it's twenty twenty five feet, I'm gonna want my ten three, you know, and just attempt, even if it's windy, I still want that. I have a couple trusty boards that I just know work, and I could angle them or yeah. do this or that, or att- or at least mentally, that's what I'm telling myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as you drop in mentally, what you're telling yourself, are, are, it seems to me that you're like, okay, let's engage the rail, engage the rail, engage the rail. I don't want to be kind of back on the, I want to be in the way, right? Yeah, with the rails. Yeah. That's something that you met, like that you're thinking of as you, to be honest, that's always been my, 
my kind of style of surfing has always been that kind of forward momentum thing. And, and, um, even on small, small, smaller boards, just short boards and stuff, I'm always take off that way. And I think that that it's just kind of doing what I do, so to say. And, um, yeah, it's just the mindset is always get the momentum forward no matter what, but, um, but it's just kind of almost natural, which is yeah. good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and until about, I, until I eat shit on a woman, that's a different story. <laughs> back to that, the drawing board. And right? who knows what I could blame that on. <laughs> the concept of, of single fins with big wave surfboard design, it seems to be gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe probably for great reason. Right. I, and maybe it's, I don't know, drag mm-hmm. too much drag. I need to get going. Yeah. Do you think that's probably part of the case? I've never ridden a single fin gun, so I couldn't answer that. But yeah. I did. My first gun was a thruster with a kind of widow's peak back fin, and I did, wasn't a big fan of it. Um, it felt like I was dragging something. Um, but kind of that teardroppy style, like big gun, I think that single fin fits too, you know? Yeah. You get guys at YMA that are riding single fins, and it depends on the wave, right? So if yeah. you're surfing YMA and you're, it's a big drop, make the drop and you're kicking out, and that's the whole wave then why not write a single fin, you know, it could yeah. work, but, um, waves that are more down the line, like, like jaws, so to say, I think that you need some, that quad. I, I'm all quads, um, that kind of you're surfing down the line, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a bit different. Hmm. And as I think of jaws, um, who do you think's the best surfer out there? I think Shane Dorian has proven to be that, yeah. but, there's a lot of guys that surf so well out there. You know, there's Albie is just incredible out there, as we all know. Um, Kai Lenny, Billy Kemper is obviously top of the game. There's everybody's wants it. Everybody's surfs well. You know, there's the number, the names go on and on. Yeah. And um, I mean, Ian Walsh, Greg Long, all these guys are just, they're so good out there. Shane Dorian is, we all know, has gotten more barrel than. Yeah, on bigger waves and everybody. How much of it is is wanting it, and how much of it is skill? I think it depends on what you want. I think it's like like the guys with a lot of skill are looking to get barreled. The guys that aren't sure about getting barreled at Jaws are looking for the tallest wave. And um, I think that a lot of it is skill at a, a wave that, um, like Jaws, it's very down the line and. You're surfing it a lot, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about some of the stuff that Kai Lenny did out there last year on on the towing board? Oh, the towing board. That's cool. I think that I'm. It's radical, you know. I yeah. think that um, hitting the lip on a giant wave like that and air dropping lip to the flats is crazy. And um, but I was tripping. I was like, I want to see somebody. I, I called it. I want to see somebody GMAC a wave out there right like gmac back in the day got that like 50 foot back door the 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 peak at jaws and was so deep you couldn't even see him and then got blown out in the channel of the wet after the west bowl is the craziest tow wave i think ever still to this day and i was like somebody do that come on i'm up there on the cliff watching like right like, I'm like not, tricks are for kids but i'd like to see a gmac action right kind of thing almost. yeah yes and no i mean kyle could do anything we yeah. all know that he's incredible but is he the greatest surfer in the world waterman based I, on I, I couldn't answer that 
but I think he's, 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 he's down, very huh? good at what he does, everything yeah. that he does, you know, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think he's incredible at all these sports. And, um, but I was like, somebody just pack a crazy one from behind it, which is easier said than done. Right. Like yeah. you're thinking about putting yourself in the most critical part of the biggest waves and nobody wants to fall in yeah. the barrel back there somewhere. <laughs> Or at least you want to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm <laughs> so the the scariest wipeout you've ever had. Where was it? I think that that was Phantoms a long time ago. Um, it, I kind of it was like a big left, and I was kind of deep, and I I was a little bit behind it, and it's a really fast moving way when it gets going. And I remember like going to bottom turn and being so far, and I looked up, and the thing was landing on me and i went to like turn away from it and i got black thing landed on me and i was stuck in the white water for what seemed like forever and i was like did you have your breath before i had no breath it got pounded out of me right out of the gates and i remember like looking up and turning away from it and be like "Uh oh here we go and the thing blasted me and i remember taking a deep breath and it instantly got beat out of me and i was like breathless and i was in the white water just tumbling and tumbling and tumbling and um and I just remember like, gosh, get me out of here. And then I'm like, keep going, keep going. And then when it let me out, I don't know where I was on the reef, but I like went down really deep, which is kind of rare for being in the white water in that situation. And then I'm like down there just completely out of breath. Are your eyes open? No, no, no. I always keep those closed. Yeah. And um, I remember my leash at the time was like these, they didn't have the best like um, big wave leashes and uh I remember right and I'm deep and I'm like I'm like all right where's my leash and the thing pops right when when I'm like oh my oh, god shit. no this is bad but I knew the direction where it came from and I'm just like swimming and swimming and it was before the flotation stuff and we're swimming like oh my gosh oh my gosh and then I'm like almost the surface and the next one passes I'm like oh my god this is horrendous but the next one wasn't so bad but I remember just being this like pretty gnarly funk like completely like out of it and is there I, a point where you just you give up and that's almost a good thing like Um, everything kind of goes limp i didn't give up because i think giving up was is different timing like if i had like a flotation device on i wouldn't have been trying so hard and i would have so-called given up and let the let the flotation bring me to the surface but i was swimming up because i got pushed deep and um and when that second wave passed it kind of pushed me down a little bit and I kind of somersaulted and I'm like feeling bubbles go up and I'm like, okay, I'm close to the surface, you know, and get up and I'm like, and I'm like just spinning, like seeing all sorts of stars and kind of like blurred vision. And I'm like looking around like, Oh, that was so gnarly. There's nobody around. You're sucking in foam. No, I wasn't sucking in foam, but I was definitely in the foam and I was above water and, and there's a few more waves, but I had gotten put, I couldn't tell you how far I got pushed because I got somehow got pushed down the line of the wave. I wasn't, if you get pushed straight at phantoms, you kind of go into deeper water off to the right. And I was like in the white water line, somewhere down the line. I was like, how in the world I end up here. And just Is there deep water completely there. Completely delirious. Yeah. Very deep waters okay, out of reef in Hawaii. So I'm like out of it. And the guys, I think that maybe they thought I rode the wave all the way in or something like that, that I was with. And, um, they're still out there and I couldn't even see the lineup. I was so far in and, and I had to make the swim to the beach and I was just like completely like drifted to the channel and I'm just regaining breath and getting 
feeling back everywhere. I'm just completely out of it and took a long swim into V-Land, into the beach and got to the beach and was just like, oh my gosh, that was heavy. That was probably one of the worst for sure. Yeah. And um, what actually, what's funny is my board was right, got washed like the same direction that I swam in. And I remember my board was almost like into the beach at the same time as me. And I was like, why couldn't you just be a little further out? And I could have paddled you in, you know, it <laughs> saved me a little. And I was like, went home and like took a nap after I was just out of it. It's pretty gnarly. And did you, did you reach out to your father to no. talk about that or just, I hid talk- that from him for a while actually. And then, and then I was talking to a friend about, it. I was like, like telling him about it. And somehow the word got back to my dad. And like the next winter I was going to Hawaii. I was like, Oh, don't, I have no two wave hold downs out of reef this year, you know? And I'm like, how did you find out about that? Like, I'm not, you're not allowed to know these things. You're going to worry. <laughs> but that's yeah, funny. Everything, everything so comes back to the shop and my dad hears about oh, yeah, it yeah. at work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if, that's if the, I'm the days that I'm not at the shop is the days that he finds out everything about me. <laughs> what about the, um, other equipment that could maybe be improved like the vest do you think the vest is where it needs to be or, or is it a hassle to pull at some point is there a way to no like, it's, you, it's it's good you yeah. know i think that it does its job and there hasn't been any fatalities since one of since those came out so yeah i think that they're going in the right direction and they they research it all and do it all so yeah it's it's constantly improving. Does it put people in the water that shouldn't be in the water? I think it could. Um, but again, how do you you regulate that? And those types of waves, do do you think that every big wave just sorts out the kooks from the guys that belong? Yes. It seems like it would. The thing that I don't like is the, the guys that paddle out and they're taking off on the shoulder and you're coming off say Mavericks and you're like, you're in the bowl and you're, into the shoulder and then your bottom your bottom turning to make the wave and you get this guy out of control taking off and running you over and it's like you're like ah, i just did all the hard part and the gnarliest part of the wave and, and now you have to fade to the shoulder hopping and i'm now i'm not making the wave and yeah you know what i mean it's I'm getting beat it's kind of a bummer yeah um and i think that does that's do, do people get sounded out there for that or is it like on and off if they're really dangerous and they run somebody over something people get sound, sounded and i actually encourage some of my half moon bay friends and i'm like this is your guys' spot you know like maybe say something to people because you can i'm a visitor i'll I'll always be a visitor here but if this was like home yeah i would definitely say something you know Mm. and and we do that down here too you like you get somebody that that i mean take big rock for example it's the most intense it's the most dangerous three foot wave in the world is what i call it right (laughs) it's so shallow it's so dangerous and you get guys that paddle out and they don't, some people don't realize like, like where we're taking off is the best place to take off to get barreled. Right. And they're taking off on the shoulder thing. And it's just like a, a left point of some sort. And they're like, and it's really dangerous. They're taking, they're burning you. You're in the barrel. It's waist deep. And like, yeah, I mean, I cracked my head, cracked the front of my head a couple of years ago from some guy that took off on the shoulder. And I mean, it was just bad. I remember seeing him and I dove off my, not dove, I like fell off my board sideways because you always fall sideways and flat if you can. And instantly the 
wave took me up over and scraped my head open on the reef and came up all bloody and and i was like excuse me what are you what are you doing you know like it's yeah. not how it works and he's like you got a hole in your head and i was like oh cool that's a perfect example you know it's, it's a dangerous wave and you're making it more dangerous and i try and inform people more than yell at people yeah it's more more my style and um and the guy, I was like, this is a perfect example. This is why you don't do what you did. I have got to go get stitches now. Yeah. And I'm going to miss my girlfriend's birthday party now because of you. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like kind of a, a good example to, to sound him on. And, yeah. And the guy's like, okay, I'm sorry, you know, I won't do that again. Yeah, it's too late. I'm sure that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the next day he was out there doing the same thing. But yeah, you get you get that a lot, you know. And I like to try and tell people like in the nicest way possible, like, hey, maybe maybe just don't do this, you know, like I'm not telling you to leave. I'm not telling you to do anything. Just please don't take off on the shoulder and, and do this, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's necessary in certain, in certain types of waves. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Good example. <laughs> Are we going to get your father back out there for one last barrel at big rock? And a couple oh, of years sure. ago, he was just lean and mean and charging and, He's on that comeback right now. Good. Yeah. I think I me- I think he did mention to me that he was doing that. So, because yeah. he he also told me that that you're a big part of kind of motivating him oh, to, sure. to get there. You know. So, I mean, my to be honest, like if my dad in his in his tip top shape right now is would make me look like a fool out there. He's so he's just got this like he'll make the drop and he'll he has this stance that you can't knock over and he'll he's so good at getting barreled and. It's cool, you know. I'd love to see him just yeah. free fall into another one at sixty-one years old and absolutely get blown out. There's nothing better. We all want to see that. Yeah, it's funny. It was like I think the last time that he surfed out there, he got a really sick wave actually, and it was like, and I was looking at the wave and I was going and I see my dad. And he looks at me and I'm like, oh, go dad, <laughs> and he whips, and I'm like, and everybody at the peaks like, anyway, it was it was the peak is it's such a small takeoff. It's yeah. we're all at the peak, you know. But, yeah. Everybody's like, when you go? I was like, shut up. My dad's gone. And everybody's like, your dad went on that thing? No way. And we're all looking back. And he kicks out. And we're just like, yes. You know, it's like the, it's way better than catching a wave. I'll, I'll go out there and not catch a wave if I, as long as he gets one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Hey. And he deserves it, right? He works his ass off all day at the shop. And yeah. Like, he needs to get a barrel and he, he needs to serve. You know? Yeah, it's good for his mental, right? To get exactly. wet and get it over, get it out. Yeah. There's nothing better than taking your mask off and and going and jumping in the water. That's kind of what, that was always my whole, all my days of working is just finish the day and go jump in the water. Leave early enough to brush off the, the dust or the, the fumes or something, you know? Are you going to take over the shop eventually? We definitely don't want to let it go away. So. Yeah. It's a um, my family business is it's been forever. My it's my it's my whole life, you know. It's my whole childhood, and still not working there as much as I used to. That's for sure. But um, it's not gonna. We don't want it to go away. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's getting to that older age, and it's hard because I'm kind of in the prime of what I'm doing, you know. And and um, I mean, it's just it's a little transition point right now where. We keep just it's busier than ever and keep it going yeah and so what's next for jojo roper what's next for me this year it's like winter immediate, yeah winter's just right? just arriving i'm 
I actually had a um, pretty bad dengue fever and um, I was out for a month and um, I went from like tip top shape to just like rock bottom. And I, um, the past two weeks I've been back on my kind of program training program and what I do. And um, I'm feeling great. So I'm just kind of keep doing that and hoping for some swells to come and do Does, all that. Do you have some sort of, special diet or you just kind of eat what comes to you um i just try and eat i'm pretty simple right so i'm like i'll sometimes meal prep and do these things that are kind of just a lot of vegetable pro and proteins and um i'm really kind of a freak on like juices and like all the greens and the ginger and all that kind of stuff yeah daily almost and um I'm not getting too crazy, but I'm, I definitely like incorporate that as much as what I can. What about coffee? Coffee. I'm a freak. <laughs> and I need coffee every morning and, and I, I just, I just love coffee. You know? Yeah. Um, I actually been into the whole, like that whole, I, I was in Fiji in, uh, August and Laird was down there and he was just this like walking, just information source. Right. You're like, whoa what's what's that what are you drinking there and he just like he'll break it down like amino acids and all sorts of shit it's crazy the amount of knowledge that comes out of that guy and i was just like just nerding out i was just like this guy's my freaking hero now he's taught me so much in the past five minutes of conversing with him and i've been actually putting his layered fuel in my not that not that he was doing every day but um I've been all about Laird fuel lately. It's, it's pretty good, too. Juicing on the Laird. Ju- juicing on the Laird. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty classic. But, all right. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks for being here, Jojo. I appreciate it, man. Great great interview. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you charge it this year. Right on. Thank It'll you. It'll be good to see. Thanks. Excited.
to be in a relationship But I still feel for you Cause you are the best woman This old man has ever met You taught me about my soul You share with me your magic
Let go.